Welcome to episode 120 of the Oklahoma Real Estate Show. On today's show, it's Beth, the founder of Lifestyle Equities Group and Lifestyle Ventures. She's active in construction and real estate for over 20 years. She's redeveloped over $4 million in single-family homes, as well as assisted in construction of over $35 million in outdoor living spaces. Currently, Beth is the GP on five, uh, 500-plus multifamily units, holding equity in an RV park, and as well as a hotel in Panama. And she's working on various other projects, including a townhome development. Beth is on the show today to kind of share a glimpse into the world of arbitrage and syndication. She's going to be telling us what she's looking forward to this year and into the coming years and what you may need to know about real estate, residential, and commercial going forward. Beth, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Landis. Glad, glad to be here. So kind of bring us up to speed for those that may not understand. Uh, you know, real estate is always pitched kind of as a passive investment, uh, but that's not always the case. A, a lot of uh, landlords find that it this, you know, supposedly passive investment ends up turning into a lot of work. But what you guys do is really passive in that somebody just deposits money into into your your event or your or your syndication and then they set it and forget it. So tell us a little bit about how that works and kind of talk me into what's going on in your uh, your world today. Sure. Absolutely. Um First of all, thank you for allowing me to be here, and thanks for the wonderful introduction. Um, so what you're referring to is called a syndication, and really syndications from our end, um, as the general partners are are not passive by any stretch of the means. I mean, they're very active um, because we're doing all the work, right? We are uh, sourcing the deal, underwriting it, um, getting it under contract, um, and then sourcing debt, sourcing equity, taking it to the finish line, and then the real work begins because you, you know, whatever the business plan is for that particular asset, you need to perform that business plan because that's what you've sold investors on in terms of uh, of them actually bringing money to the table. So from an investing standpoint, that's where it becomes passive. Um, there's investors called limited partners, um, and they actually invest into these syndications. And essentially a syndication is just a pool of investors coming together um, to to essentially bring the equity that's needed um, in, in order to close on a deal. Of course, that equity is the difference between the sales price and whatever debt you're able to obtain on the property. So those investors, yes, technically they are passive. Um, they're just putting the money in and they are looking for that, you know, quarterly distribution, uh, semi-annual distribution, whatever it's going to be, and collecting that debt, putting it into their bank account, and then waiting until, you know, the asset either gets refinanced, which generally that's somewhere between year three and five, or it gets sold, on, depending on what the play is and, and the business plan is for that particular asset. So when it gets sold, yeah, that's when then in, that's when investors usually get most of their money back unless they are refinanced, unless an, or an asset is refinanced and then some of that uh, capital is actually returned to them. What kind of profit gains can somebody expect by doing something like this? You know, it, it all depends on the asset itself and, um, you know, value at a place sometimes can yield um, greater returns. 
Um, right now, I know for us, we are looking more at cash flowing properties just because of where the market is at. So a value add right now is um, it is just not sort of what we want to be going after just because we know that there's going to be uh, so much work. You know, construction materials are, are so much more costly. Um, and just as a play overall, we know we're not going to be giving the sort of returns that we want to give to our investors. Um, generally speaking, um, there's there's this um, benchmark, so to speak. It's called the, uh, an equity multiple, and it basically describes um, you know how much an investor can get back. So if you have a two x multiple, um, that that means that basically the investors can going to get two times their money back. So if they invest a hundred thousand dollars. They're going to get that hundred plus another hundred back, so two hundred thousand dollars. So we like to, you know, be somewhere around that two x multiple. Obviously, anytime you can be pushing the three x's and so forth, then and then it's a really good deal. Um, but you know, you have to be be careful with that. Um, be careful with the numbers. You know, there's a lot of um, operators that sometimes underwrite very aggressively, um, and in times like these, that it's not the time to be aggressive. So what I heard you say is it's not uncommon to be doubling your money in a syndication. Is that what I heard you just say? Correct. But or so the period of time, right? So it's not like it's mm-hmm. doubling your money within a year. Um, generally, it's there's a usually a five year five year plan with most assets. Okay, you mentioned you know value add being you know kind of like a flip, if you will, and I could see how with current cost of things and economic uncertainty that 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 may be a little bit more riskier bet. So now you're identifying income properties that are cash flowing, and that would be cash flowing either from day one or or cash flowing over time. How are you identifying those? Um, cash flowing from day one. And it, like, for instance, we just closed on a student housing deal. We closed on it in, in December. Um, this particular student housing deal was a class A property, so newer. Uh, the developer had it for several years. And um, usually what happens with um, developers is they will, um, they will develop a property, build it, and lease it up, hold on to it for a few years, and then they turn around and sell it. Well, this one happened to be 100% leased. Uh, for the school year 2022-2023, um, as of as of January, I would say end of January, I can't remember the exact date, um, we are actually 100% pre-leased for the school year 2023-2024. So this is just continuing to cash flow. It's 100% leased. You know, the fact that it's a newer property, there's, there's not a lot of... Uh, you know, I mean, there's maintenance, obviously, to be done to it, but there's there's just not a lot of work that has to be done. Um, you know, the, it's, um, you know, the student housing, I mean, one of the beautiful things about that, mom and dad, you know, they're signing on the dotted line for it, generally speaking. Um, and leases are actually um, year-long leases. So it, it's not just mm. the school year. So this property continues and will continue to cash well every single month and that's a beautiful thing for our investors so we're looking forward to um being able to uh, uh you know send our investors their first distribution uh after this first quarter and i think our investors are going to be pretty happy with it so actually i know they're going to be pretty happy with this <laughs> so when you got something like that 
set up, what is typically the time frame on something that is a cash flow focused uh, investment? It, it, would, is that a longer time frame? You mentioned before the value add was about five years. Is this about the same time frame that they're committed or how does that work? We have, we have a five-year business plan with this one, so yes, about the same time frame. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of it is just contingent upon um, what it is that you want to provide to your investors, what are the returns, um, what does the property itself lend itself to in terms of, you know, what's the best, you know, play overall from an investment perspective. So, um, but yes, five years for this one is his article. So where do you see the industry kind of going? Where are you focusing your efforts uh, to see the most gain here over the next, let's say, 24 months? You know, that's a really good question. As I stated earlier, um, with respect to multifamily properties, uh, my team and I, we are going after cash-flowing properties. Um, we're being very conservative with our underwriting. Um, very selective about what it is that we are taking on. Um, you know, we've, we've heard a lot uh, of rumblings, so to speak, that, you know, some operators who were super aggressive, you know, over the course of the last, you know, 12 to 18 months are um, finding themselves in a, in a bit of, um, you know, bit of hot water right now in terms of struggling with the properties that they're managing, the assets that they're managing. So, we are electing, of course, and, and always will be electing to to be very conservative. I, I, I still think that there's, you know, plenty of deals out there. Um, I think we're going to see maybe more seller financing um, with the interest rates staying uh, where they're at. Um, because, you know, sellers who want to sell know that they're not going to be able to get rid of some of their properties with um, the rates on you know, where they are. So if, if they can, uh, if we can either maybe assume some loans, uh, which we actually did on, on that student housing property I was telling you about. So we assumed a loan there. So we could continue to assume loans or find some seller financing. And I think that's going to be key. I know a few, uh, smaller deals that I myself have been looking at for, uh, some of these are smaller hotels. Uh, they've been offering seller financing only because they know that it's going to be harder to get that financing on at a hotel. And um, so this is a way of, of, of being able to offload a property um, while still being able to, um, you know, move on from it. Um, and, and what most, you know, sellers, there are some very savvy sellers and some plan sellers, you know, don't realize that seller financing can be a beautiful thing, um, you know, from a tax advantage standpoint and so forth. So, you know, the tax implications can be slowed down over time as opposed to, you know, all at once. Now, in closing, uh, you've done, uh, I think, what is it, $4 million in single-family homes as well. What do you have to say for those folks that may be looking at doing a renovation or a flip right now? What's your advice to them? Uh, right. Um, you know, that... It, the price that you buy at is always going to be the most important component. Um, you know, that was one mistake that I think, in fact, I know we, we did early on. You were always looking at uh, the ARD, like, hey, where can this be? As opposed to where is it right now? What do we need to put into it? And then, you know, hope that we can get that ARB. Um, yeah, it's it's just going to be really important to... Um, to calling in on costs and once you figure out like hey is this is gonna cost us you know 
$20,000 in renovation, tacked on another 20% on top of that, you know, to be on the safe side. You know, they used to say, oh, maybe 10%, 15%. You know, I would say 20, even 25%. I would rather have, you know, a larger cushion and then come out ahead, you know, once I sell it on um, versus underestimating. Um, and, and because those material costs, I mean, they, they haven't, prices have not come down. Um, I think, I think someone said only maybe lumber has come down a bit, but aside from that, everything else is still, um, is still, is still high. So, you know, I think there's good deals to be had. Definitely there's good deals to be had. Um, so, so don't give up. And um, I know for us, we're taking a step back right now. We finished our last, uh, project. So I was putting it on the market in November, closed on it in early January. Um, it's a beautiful project. We loved it, but. Again, it was those material costs that actually um, cut into our profit, unfortunately. Um, but we're taking a step back, and we're going to kind of see, watch the market a little bit. Um, we're trying out this Airbnb arbitrage, and we're going to see where that goes. Um, and I think we'll, we'll probably get back into another flip, uh, maybe towards the latter part of this year. Um, but I'd, I'd like to just kind of watch the market a little bit more and and see just you know how quickly our, our houses move once they are in the market. Um, you know, I'm hoping by the end of the year, you know, things sort of, you know, we have a new normal and, and mm -hmm. once you know the new normal, it's easier, it's easier to go back into something and be able to plan accordingly. Well, Beth, thanks for coming on the show today. Is there anything you could think of that we may have forgotten, uh, you know, and throw that out there and then also how people can get a hold of you if they want to pick your brain on on partnering with you on your next syndication. Uh, like I said, you've done uh, vacation, uh, you know, resorts in, in Panama. You've done 500 plus multifamilies. You've done single families. You're doing now Airbnb. You're kind of the entrepreneurial of real estate. And I'm sure someone would have a lot of fun talking with you. I would love to talk to anybody. And uh, I do, I do enjoy real estate. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, yes, we did not talk about Panama, but uh, but there's a lot happening in Panama. Um, looking at three hotels, we have one already. Looking to acquire two more, so um, always looking for investors. If anybody would uh, like to chat about it, um, but you can find me. Let's see on Instagram. You can find me at Investing with Beth on TikTok at Investing with Beth as well. On um, Facebook, I do have a Facebook page at Investing with Beth. Um, or LifestyleEquitiesGroup.com, LifestyleVenturesGroup.com, or 513-470-1078. Shoot me a text message. I am always available and uh, would love to chat. Well, Beth, thanks for coming on the show. For more information about the central Oklahoma market, visit OklahomaRealEstateShow.com. Thanks for listening to the show today.